Hey everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to be talking about the trade-off between the labor market and inflation, something that is top of mind for pretty much everybody right now. Jerome Powell testified in front of Congress this week and the main takeaway was that the Fed is going to keep on ripping rates if they need to and he was like, it looks like we're going to need to. On the second day of the testimony, he walked back on the ripping rates part that he sort of hinted at on his first day and he said that if, and I stress that no decision has been made on this, if the totality of the data were indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we would prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. Elizabeth Warren asked him a question that pretty much everybody has been asking for the past few months. She said, well, what about the labor market? What do you say to the 2 million people you plan to put out of work with your rate hikes? Jerome Powell then explains that he was like, well, listen, Elizabeth Warren, if we don't fix inflation now, the job losses are going to be a lot higher than 2 million down the road. If we don't fix inflation, a lot more people are going to lose their jobs than 2 million. So the Fed is balancing both the labor market and price stability, trying to make sure that they can get inflation down with the rate hike cannon, but also trying to make sure that the projection that they're firing into the economy don't hurt anybody too bad. They want people to lose their jobs. They have unemployment going up in the SEP, but they don't want a lot of people to lose their jobs. And of course, like you can't have it all, right? Like if, if people start losing their jobs, the worry is that they're going to lose their jobs quickly, furiously, and, and that's going to be a cycle that the Fed is going to have to respond to. I actually talked about this with Mary Daly in our interview together, and I'll include that clip here. So how does the Fed sort of think about that trade-off where we have like somewhat of a healthy labor market, you know, low unemployment, but then people are able to turn around and get those jobs, especially in tech versus, you know, battling inflation, then unemployment rate is probably going to have to tick up. Well, you know, the, the inflation rate and the, the labor market, they're all related. So I'm going to go back to 2019. That's what I would call a really healthy labor market. We had low inflation and people were able to get multiple job opportunities. People who had been sidelined, people had sort of said, well, you're probably not going to work again. They were coming back in. People had career mobility. They were accumulating you know, income and wealth. That was a really solid economy that delivered a strong labor market and low inflation price stability. Now we have an unbalanced economy. And while it feels good at the moment for a particular worker to get a particular wage gain, you said this, and I totally agree, that it's being eroded every single day by inflation. That's not what I call a strong place for the economy to be in because we need sustainable growth. The best, the thing the Fed's working on, the best thing we can do for Americans is provide a sustainable path of growth that does exactly what we're able to do in terms of the labor market, gives people opportunities to change jobs, to find the career that matches their interests, to grow their careers over time, but then to bring that paycheck home. And a lot of that is about preserving optionality. The Fed wants to make sure that people have choices and that they're able to afford being alive and getting a job. And that's why they're helping on getting inflation down is because they're like, well, people can't afford being alive. They can get a job, but maybe if they could afford being alive, they could get a better job, something like that, right? And you know, of course, as I've written about, as so many before me and around me and out, like everybody has written about this. The Fed's toolkit is a sledgehammer. If unemployment does go up and a bunch of people start losing their jobs, that is bad. The Fed forecasted unemployment going peaking around four and a half percent, but if unemployment goes up, it's going to go up. Like that isn't, once you let that rat out of the gutter, it's gonna run around the whole city. When unemployment goes up, a recession is pretty much unavoidable. Employ America has really good research on this, so go and read that. But it's, it's like, ah, you can't have it both ways. So there's one key question that is sort of the overarching thematic for our current state of fear 
years, is anything working the way that we're supposed to? So why aren't we in a recession right now? I've written a lot about recessions and why we aren't in one, even though it feels like we are at times. Like I will admit, it, it definitely feels recessionary out there, vibe session. But there are a lot of people who make their whole careers saying things like the plane engines are off, it's an absolute disaster, which is like, oh my gosh. Oh, why aren't they right? <laughs> there are a bunch of reasons. Consumer is still doing okay, the labor market is still turning along, and things are mostly moving, but without much grooving. There's construction employment, so Eric had a really great thread outlining how construction employment was the foundation for the economy. When residential construction employment specifically falls, it ends up dragging down total employment. You can parse out the path of residential construction employment by looking at building permits, and then units under construction, and then construction employment. When permits tick down, that means a storm is a brewing. Those peak back in April, and units are peaking now. Now, the idea is that construction employment will follow and begin peaking and then declining, but there's obviously a little bit of a lag. As Eric highlights, seeing this lag as things just straight up not working is a mistake and could lead to the Fed doing too much too soon. If the Fed keeps bringing the hammer down, that could completely blow permits out of the water and create a myriad of issues like a 20 to 40% drawdown in construction employment. And then in terms of the labor market, if construction employment starts to plunge downwards, that has massive reverberations on the rest of the economy. There are a bunch of different ways to slice and dice the labor market. LinkedIn data is showing hiring is down from 30% since April 2022. Jolt's data shows that job openings are still up, but not as much as they used to be. Construction jobs fell to 248k openings, a 240k drop from January. Quits rates, which many think is more important than job openings, took down, which is a sign that the labor market is slowing a bit. So this is all good, right? Like we want the labor market to slow down right now. So maybe the labor market is slowing down in soft in key areas, but it's not as slow as the Fed wants it to be. And that's where things get kind of hard, right? Like we have this entity that is under a massive microscope. Every word that Jerome Powell says gets scraped and dissected as people try to figure out what the Fed is thinking about. The Fed is trying to be data dependent in a world where the data just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I touched on this last week, but the data that we have isn't always reflective of reality that we exist in. Numbers can say one thing, but based on your input model of experience, data, and emotion, you can perceive and interpret these numbers completely differently than somebody else. Even when we look at PCE inflation, which is the inflation number that the Fed looks at, we aren't really sure what's right or wrong. We aren't really sure how to calculate it. Economics is an art, not a science, and that goes for the Fed's rate hike cannonball journey too. And of course, there are hard lines for what data really means. Like if construction employment is falling, we have a situation on our hands. But interpreting labor market metrics, especially considering the gap between private and public data, openings versus quits, even survey response rates, is an example of how floofy this stuff can get. So going back to that question, is anything working the way it's supposed to? The answer is pretty much not really, but we are trying our best. There's a really great article from J.W. Mason highlighting the work of two researchers, two academics from the University of Chicago booth on the gap between interest rates and business response. I love this paper. I think it's so cool. The theory is that as interest rates rise, businesses should chill out, but that isn't really the case as they find in this paper because they talk to people, right? So this is from J.W. Mason's article. A fascinating study raises new doubts about how much of a role interest rates play in business investment. To clarify the interest rate investment link, the authors did something unusual for economists. Instead of relying on economic theory, they listened to what businesses themselves say. Novel idea. <laughs> the paper found that businesses don't really think about interest rates when they make various investment decisions, but rather they think about demand. If people want things, people, the businesses are going to supply. They're not going to be like, well, rates are kind of high right now. They're going to keep on doing what they need to do. And this makes the Fed's toolkit even more blunt because as Mason writes, in a world where investment and demand respond mainly to each other, there's less room for fine-tuning with the Fed's toolkit. Rather than a thermostat that can be turned up or down a degree or two, it might be closer to the truth to say the economy has just two settings 
boom and bust. Mm. And that's like been the big thing. It's like, why can't the Fed do nuanced monetary policy? And it's kind of like, well, maybe the economy, the way it's designed, doesn't allow for nuanced monetary policy. It only allows for boom and bust. There's also this graphic talking about what drives investment returns that I think is just kind of funny because on a 10-year basis, it's really about people. For those listening on the podcast, 10 plus years, people slash culture is what ends up driving investment returns. And there's now an expectation that rates could hit 6% in the United States, which has all sorts of implications for investment. The yield curve is absolutely freaking out. It's been freaking out for a long time. And everyone is standing around waiting for this seemingly inevitable recession to drop out of the sky. The stock market is still smiling and waving during all of this too, which is sort of funny because the stock market is not the economy. And that's why that graphic is important because over a really long time frame, it really boils down to people. The economy is just a bunch of people peopling around. And ultimately that's what the stock market is too. What the Federal Reserve does really matters. It's important that people are aware of the decisions they are making. They should know why is being like why these decisions are impacting every single aspect of their lives you can bark about how it's bad that central banks exist or whatever but the fact of the matter is that they exist and we have to pay attention so we understand what they're doing so we understand how it impacts us and so we can understand how to make it better the fed will now have to see if they swung the ray hit cannonball sledgehammer tool a bit too hard but people are really really worried about recession right which might drive their behavior to slow down as people line expect to expectations of a downturn the fear of the very thing that the federal reserve is trying to avoid might be the thing that ultimately helps them achieve their policy goals. Well, thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. I hope y'all are doing okay out there and I will be back very soon. If you want to go ahead and hit that subscribe button, it really helps. Share with a friend. Hit the like button too if you choose to do so. I have an advertisement. Uh, if you've been getting crushed in the markets like pretty much everybody over the past year or two, you may have been happy to hear that treasury yields are currently surging. You can earn a 5.1% yield on your cash when you purchase government-backed treasury bills, which is a higher yield than a typical high-yield savings account. We're in a really weird time right now. And unlike a traditional savings or high-yield savings account, the yield that you get with treasury bills is a fixed rate, so you always know what the rate you get when you purchase. But the problem is that buying U.S. treasuries is pretty complicated, or at least it was. You just have to go to the bank and navigate a government website that looks like it was designed in 1996 because it was. On public.com, you can buy, hold, and sell thousands of assets like stocks, ETFs, crypto, fine art, and collectibles. And now public does have treasury accounts, a shiny new way for you to access this 5% plus yield US treasuries directly on your phone with the flexibility of a bank account. There are no minimum hold periods or settlement delays. And because it's government-backed treasury bills we're talking about, it's a pretty safe place to park your cash. When you buy treasuries on public, your treasury bills are securely held in custody at the the Bank of New York Mellon, the world's largest custodian bank and security services company, so you can trust that they are in safekeeping. Public will even automatically reinvest your treasury bills at maturity, so you don't have to do anything to continue growing your yield. Go to public.com to get a 5% plus yield on your cash, which is again, like way more high than the typical run of a meal savings account and even higher than a high yield savings account. So go ahead and check that out at public.com backslash Kyla. Get on some sweet government yield because if the Fed's hiking, you should be able to, to benefit. Yeah. <laughs>